I'd love for you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 14. In just a few moments, we'll get to verse 34. Proverbs 14, 34. And I want to share some thoughts with you about together we must stand. As citizens of the United States of America, we are part of an incredible union that is called a republic. I hope you understand that America has never been a pure democracy. When we pledge allegiance to the flag, we do not pledge allegiance to the democracy for which it stands, but to the republic for which it stands. And even though a republic has forms of democracy built in it, it really is a form of government where it is led and is protected by a government that has checks and balances and a government that must function under the law of a constitution and the Bill of Rights for us. And as a result of that, we have a republic. And we're blessed to be part of this incredible nation with all of its issues and things that are going on even now that we'll talk about in just a moment. We're still blessed by God to be part of this country. But with that being said, there's some just things on my heart uh, from a biblical perspective that I have that I want to share with you this morning. It just comes from my heart and from the Word of God. I want to mention three things to you. Uh, first of all, I want us to talk about just for a moment the start of our republic the start of our republic. Look with me here in Proverbs chapter 14 and, and in verse 34, the very first part of verse 34, where it says, righteousness exalts a nation. Well, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that a nation that pursues the righteousness of God, God will exalt. That is, he will bless. That is that he will have his hand, his omnipotent hand of provision and perfection for that particular nation. His favor will be upon them. His countenance will shine upon them. And so Solomon tells us righteousness exalts a nation. The United States of America, I believe, has been blessed of God greater probably than any nation. And the reason is because it began out of the pursuit of the righteousness of God. There's been no other nation that has been so Christ-centered in its beginning and in its birth. Let's go back to 1620 for just a moment. And when this ship that is called the Mayflower began to approach the shores of what we now call America, the United States of America, they had gathered under the deck and was in a prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting of the Mayflower, they wrote what is called the Mayflower Compact. And here is how that began. This, I don't know if you remember it from your studies. I don't even know if they're still teaching it in our schools or not. But here's how it begins. 1620 Mayflower Compact. It begins with this one statement. In the name of God, amen. And then they began to share the very purpose of their coming uh, to these shores. And they write this, for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. 
their very beginning from in their heart, the very purpose for coming, is that yes, they were looking for freedom, freedom of, we call freedom of religion, freedom to be able to worship God as, as they see it and understand it from the word of God. But they came for the purpose to bring glory to him and for the advancement of the Christian faith. And I could spend literally the next 30, 45 minutes for you quoting time after time from the founding fathers that they had that same exact conviction and purpose even in the declaration of our independence. I could quote George Washington over and over. I could quote Thomas Jefferson, what he said, what he wrote. I, I could bring before you James Madison who was the Framer, He was the architect of our Constitution, the fourth president of, of the United States, and how he said that, that the highest glory of this American revolution is that we were able to bring together uh, the, the uh, order of civility and, and the, or the principles of civil order and the principles of Christianity. You do realize, if you know history, you'll know that the revolution itself came out of a revival. A revival that began in 1730. Jonathan Edwards preaching his message, Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God, and other messages, and George Whitfield, who was a personal friend of uh, Benjamin Franklin, and Benjamin Franklin built huge auditoriums just so that he could go and, and, and George Whitfield could preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was called a great awakening. And it's out of the fires of this great awakening, this incredible revival that was taking place in America at that time that the Revolutionary War began. And that is why as they began to to, to frame the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and, and begin to, to put all of that together, they built into the very woodwork of our Constitution and those Bill of Rights the gospel or the principles of the Christian faith. This has been a Christ-centered beginning and birth. It is how it started. The Declaration of Independence, you know these words probably well, begins, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Did they believe in Almighty God? Absolutely. Did they believe in evolution? Absolutely not. They believed in creation and that the creation creator has endowed us with certain unalienable rights. And it's not the government that has the power to give us the rights. It's the government's responsibility in their heart and mind. When you read the writings, is to protect the God-given rights that we have. That was the start of our republic. I want to talk a few minutes about the state of our republic today. Sometimes, uh, once a year, of course, the president gives the State of the Union. I want to give you the state of our republic. Listen to what it says in the second part of Proverbs chapter 14 and, and uh, verse 34. Having declared righteousness exalts the nation, Solomon then writes, but sin is a disgrace to any people. 
What does that mean? It means when we, be, we stop pursuing the righteousness of God and the holiness of God and the purity of God and the grace of God and the love of God and the mercy of God, it means we're beginning to pursue that which is opposite of that which is unrighteousness, which is sin, which is wickedness. And as that wickedness comes, it begins to break down and destroy from within the nation that at one time was blessed of God, at one time had the favor of God, at one time had the omnipotent power of his hand to provide for them and to protect them. And now that is gone as a result of the direction that country has taken. And it breaks my heart to be able to declare what I know you believe and you, you see as well and you understand. That is the direction we have gone. And I want you to notice in, in Proverbs chapter uh, 94, in Proverbs, not, uh, not 94, 29, and in verse 2, I want you to notice what he goes on to say here about this issue of righteousness and in uh, contrast to wickedness. He says in verse 2, when the righteous increase, the people rejoice. Why? Because when we're pursuing what is right with God, and, and what is right before God and his heart and his love and his grace and his mercy and, and his goodness in our lives, there's reason to rejoice because our lives are open to his blessing. The country is open to his blessing. But notice what he says in the lighter part of verse 2, but when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Isn't that spirit we have in America today? People just groaning over all that's going on. One of our leaders this past week acknowledged that we were a country that was just basically eat up with hate. And we see it everywhere. And the and the person who made that declaration, I just wanted to say, I agree with you. The problem is you're part of the ones who produced that. There was a time when our country was led by those who pursued righteousness. They weren't perfect, and we're not perfect. But they pursued righteousness. They pursued the will of God. They, they sought to direct us and lead us by the word of God. And, in the will of God. And I want to thank God for all of those in our government, whether it be national, whether it be state, whether it be community, whatever, that know Christ, love Christ, and are seeking to lead as best they can in this den of lions that they find themselves in. But I have to just acknowledge what I see and what I understand based on the word of God. But most of our leadership today in the nation and in our states and in our communities are not those of righteous ruling, but of the wicked rulers leading us absolutely contrary to the things of God. Isn't it kind of fascinating to you that what God says is right, they're telling you that's wrong. And what God says is wrong, they're telling us that is to be right. We have a moral, we're kind of going through a moral schizophrenia right now. Isn't it interesting to you? It is to me 
that if I went out and I busted the egg of a bald eagle, I would be fined thousands of dollars and a year in jail. But you can make a pretty good living killing babies in the womb of a mother. See, we, we got everything totally upside down in terms of our, our morality and understanding what is really of value and of worth and, and, and not just in terms of those things, but just in what is righteous and what is not righteous and all of those things. So we're living in a time where, where our nation is sin-sick. It is Satan-driven by souls who have become depraved. That's the state of our republic. Well, really, I say all that to really get to my third point, and that is the salvation of our republic. And I, I want to share three things with you. Now, this is my heart to you as brothers and sisters in Christ. The fact that we need to stand together, we need to seek together, and we need to strive together. Let me explain. First of all, listen to me carefully. We need to stand together against the wickedness that is around us. Look with me in Psalms 94. I tried to send you there a while ago, but I want to get there now. Psalms 94, verses 20 and 21. And, and just this passage, particularly verse 21, just caught my attention, but verse 20 sets it up. So let me just, let's look at it together. Psalms 94, and we get in verse 20 where it says, Can a throne, listen to what the writer of Psalms said, can a throne of destruction, what's a throne of destruction? That is a leader that is wicked, that is leading a wicked leader that is trying to lead a nation. And he's asking this question, can a throne of destruction be allied with you? Notice that the you is a capital. That means with the Lord God. Of course, the answer is absolutely not. God is not going to bless that. God is not going to show his favor upon that. God is not going to move by his hand on that. And then he says this in verse 21. And this is what really caught my attention. Talking about the wicked. Listen to me. Listen to this. They band themselves together. against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocence of death. In Jeremiah 22, you don't need to turn there and it's not going to be up there, but when you look at that whole word that God gives in Jeremiah 22, let me sum it up for you. He basically says this, if you don't stop spilling innocent blood, I'm going to destroy your nation. Now, that's an awesome word. God says, you keep spilling innocent blood, I'm going to destroy your nation. I, I believe all of us would agree here that ultimately our only hope in America is God himself. Do I have a witness on that? 
It's God himself. He is our hope. But listen to me. If we do not stand against together against the wicked, then God could become our greatest enemy. Because he said, you keep spilling innocent blood, I will destroy your nation. Now, what caught my attention in verse 21, when it was talking about the wicked, it says, they band themselves together. Listen to this. Please understand what he is saying. How do we, we look at it today. We say, how did we get where we are? How do we get where we're, we got this moral schizophrenia going on and, and what God says is right, the rest of the world is saying, oh, that's wrong. And what God says is wrong, the rest of the world is saying, no, that's right. That we should, we should pursue unrighteousness and unholiness and impurity and perversion and all of those things. And, and how is it that they got where they are and they have the power they have today? I'll tell you how they did it. They banded together. The wicked band together. They may not agree on everything, but they band together. And because they band together, they're all in together in this rebellion that is against the Lord our God and the things of God and the people of God. And because they have banded together, they now have the power in our nation. While we, who are supposed to be of the righteous, flip-flop around, half-hearted in our commitment, satisfied with going through the motions, and spend most of our time fussing with one another over petty differences and petty preferences while the power of evil has taken over this country and trying to take over every institution in this country, even your family. And here we are. That's why I say we must stand together. I'm not talking about compromise. There are things I will not compromise. You know that. I will not compromise the word of God. I will not compromise the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is time for us to lay down all of this petty stuff that keeps us divided and keeps our attention somewhere else while Satan and all of his demons of hell and the power of the wicked take over everything in this country. We must stand together. You say, well, they're just so powerful. No need to fear. Let, let me remind you. Let me remind you what Joshua told them in Joshua uh, chapter 24, I believe, 23 and verse 10. Joshua chapter 23 and in verse 10. And here's what he said to them. This is his farewell address to the children of Israel. He says, one of your men puts to flight a thousand for the Lord your God is he who fights for you just as he promised you. We need not fear. Oh, they want to strike us with fear. And we cower as though our God can't handle that. Stand together 
against the wickedness that is around us. Strive or seek together the face of God and the omniscient, omnipotent hand of God. Ultimately, our battle, of course, is not against those that have fallen under the deception of Satan. Their hearts have been hardened. Their souls have been corrupted and they moved from darkness into depravity. Yes, on the surface, that's real. But the real battle is the spiritual battle. They got it right in the movie War Room by the Hendrix brother. They got it right. Be in that prayer room, be in your prayer closet, that war room. And you win these battles on your knees in prayer. But in prayer, not just talking about prayer. Folks, we are guilty. Lord God, forgive us. But as a whole, listen, we got some wonderful prayer warriors here. I rejoice. I praise God for every one of them. But as a whole, churches across this nation, they're just getting, listen, we are just giving lip service to it. Just evaluate your own life as I evaluate my life. We know. It says in Ephesians chapter 6 and and verse 12, you know this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. That's where you win it. But not giving it lip service. Not just saying, hey, we need to have prayer. Let's have another Bible study on prayer. Well, let's not have another Bible study on prayer. Let's pray. Instead of giving it lip service. Turn with me for a moment to Exodus chapter 17. I just have a word of, of challenge, a word of instruction to all parents. Where you have words, parents of, of children or parents of adults like Kathy and I. And to all grandparents concerning your, your grandchildren. Kathy and I are blessed with seven magnificent grandchildren. And we give you a word of challenge. Exodus chapter 17, Moses and the children of Israel are in a battle with the Amalekites. And the scripture says, beginning in verse 10 of Exodus chapter 16, uh, uh, 17, Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Ur went up on top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held up his hand, or held his hand up, that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. And what he was lifting up was the rod of God, which was a picture of earnest intercessory prayer. Verse 12, but Moses' hands were heavy, 
And then they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Ur supported his hands, one on the one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and the people with the edge of the sword. The battle in the valley was real. Wives were losing their husbands. Children were losing their fathers. Many of them came home wounded for the rest of their life, having to deal with that handicap. It was real, just like what we see happening right now. All around us, all the battles, the political battles, and all the other battles that we're seeing, and, and all the hatred is there. That's for real. But I want to tell you something. You don't win it in the battle. You'll be in the battle. But listen, you're going to stand. Stand together. You're going to be in the battle. But it's one on your knees in prayer. And here's my instruction. If I was a young couple, or even as an older couple, I would get at least two other couples. Three. Three-fold cord is not easily broken. Ecclesiastes. And I would commit as the three couples to not give lip service, but to intercede together for your children, for your families, for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just talk about it, not just think about it, do it. Earnest prayer. It took Moses, great man of God, but it took Aaron and Ur together with him to keep that rod of intercession up that gave them the victory in the valley. Last word. Stand together against the wickedness around us. Seek his face and his omnipotent hands on behalf of the battles that we're facing. Lastly, strive together to protect our children. Do you understand how wicked our leadership is? It takes a wicked mind to want, listen to me, to want to manipulate the mind of a four-year-old about adult things. Do I have a witness on that? I mean, that is pure wickedness. That's evil. But that's their goal and they're not going to stop anytime soon. 1 Peter chapter 5, I begin in verse 6. Peter writes, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 
be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Watch it. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That someone is you, it is your marriage, it is your home, it is your children, it is your grandchildren. And then he says this in verse 9, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering are, are being accomplished by your brothers who are in the world. About a month or so ago, Alex Hendricks of the Hendricks Brothers spoke here in Greenville at the fundraiser for our Christian Learning Center. He made this statement, haven't forgotten it. He says, I know who is going to win our children. He says, I know. And he let that sink in for a moment. He said, those who want them the most. You think about it. You think about it. Those who want them the most. Well, unless you're living with your head in the sand, it appears to me right now that there is an all-out drive by hell itself to have and win our children. And they appear to me to want them more than us. as we flip-flop around, half-hearted, go through the motions, fuss at one another over petty differences and petty preferences. And they're just being taken by the droves. Salvation of the Republic. God's people. The answer is not in the White House, the answer is in the church house. That's where the answer is. When God's people stand together against the wickedness around them, seek together the very face of God, the very hand of God in spiritual battle, spiritual prayer, and strive whatever it takes to protect our children. Protect our families. God will honor that. And he'll use you and use me. But it must be together. Together. Throw all that other garbage away. Love one another and stand together. Seek together and strive. to win this battle. So Father God, so much on my heart, so little time, but I trust Lord God, you'll just take the simple words I've shared today from your word, from what you placed on my heart. And Lord God, you use it to raise up 
an army of your people who are together to win this battle. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a blessed day. See you tonight, 6 o'clock, right here. The Chosen.